Right, hello everyone, welcome to the first ever Villa on Tour podcast. I've got to hold my hands up, I've got to be honest, I am recording this bit after myself and Simon have recorded the whole podcast in its entirety because I was an idiot and on the pilot episode I recorded using the wrong software. So I was using, instead of my really brand new spanking expensive microphone, I was using the speakers inside of my laptop. So I don't sound the best during this podcast, Simon does to be fair, but I do promise you when the next podcast rolls around, I will sound a lot better than I do here but please do stay tuned enjoy the podcast and I will speak to you a little bit later up the villa right hello welcome to the first ever villa on tour podcast this is something that I actually never thought I'd do because I've said it before there's so many villa podcasts but I just think we could have that sort of USP that is we go to every single game we go to the games that don't even matter we go to the games that people don't even think to go to the pre-season games you would have seen that recently but yeah, I just fancy talking about it because in my videos, if people are stumbling upon, upon this podcast that maybe don't even know who Villa on Tour is, basically it's a YouTube channel that I run, uh, go to every single game, match day vlogs, documenting my experience on the Villa. And I just think sort of what, you get two minutes at the end of that video to give you brief thoughts, brief thoughts, but I just think why not go into it a little bit more, have a little sit down, chat about the games. I'm not doing this for any sort of numbers or promo. It's just because I enjoy talking about the Villa. And I'm sure you do too, Simon. I'm joined by Simon Lyons. Came with me to Dubai recently. Simon, how are you, sir? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thank you. Yeah, it's good to be on. Buzzing for this. I think, I'm not sure how regular this is going to be, whether we'll do it after every game, or we'll do it when we're free. I'm not sure what it will be, but I'm buzzing for it. We're... We're going to do a lot today. We're going to talk about everything that's coming up, including the World Cup final, which has literally just happened. A certain Villa player was involved in that. We'll talk about Dubai as well uh, when we went over there for a meaningless friendly, but what an experience that was. And then obviously uh, Villarreal game, which happened recently. And of course, getting back to Premier League football finally with Liverpool on Boxing Day. But just a little bit of promo as well. Please do leave reviews on this, whether you're listening to it on Apple, Spotify, leave some five-star reviews if you want. If you do want to enjoy it, that would be uh, much appreciated. Tell your mates about it as well, because like I said, this is obviously the first uh, podcast that we're doing, so please do uh, share it around if you do enjoy it and things like that. But uh, yeah, the main news is a certain Aston Villa player involved in a World Cup win. Yes, obviously, unbelievable news happened today. Emmy Martinez is a world champion. Simon, did you watch the game? How mental was that? Yeah, it was. Uh, it has to surely it has to go down as possibly the best World Cup final in probably history, or at least in history that I can remember. It was just. Um, it was mad, wasn't it? I mean, for the, the vast majority of the game, France were not even in it, were they? I mean, it was a good 70-odd minutes until France really came to the party. And then obviously Mbappe had um, sort, sort of stored his sort, sort of energy in the tank and then he just sort of let rip, didn't he? And it just, uh, it all went mad and it was just flying from one end to the other. And you just you just didn't know who was going to be the winner until that very until that very last penalty shootout. But I think the moment it went to penalties, you had to fancy Argentina, just purely because of Martinez. You know what he's like and saving penalties, you know how he gets into the minds of the other, of, of the opposition players. And um, yeah, it was it was just such an enjoyable game. And um, yeah, I, I think even even for neutrals, you know, like us, I mean, I don't normally 
massively enjoy international football and yet I was absolutely glued to it to be honest it was just incredible yeah it was unreal and I can't lie I'm sat here in a uh, Emmy Martinez Argentina shirt which got a lot of attention on Twitter and uh, Instagram when I said that I've got it sourced all the way from Argentina I thought right I know he's going to win it I placed a bet before the tournament on Argentina I think the odds are like 11 to 2 so I want a nice little a uh, little bit of money today. But yeah, I'm sat in this Argentina shirt. Absolutely love it. Come all the way from Argentina. So I'm buzzing. I feel like a proud dad today. I feel like a proud dad of Amy Martinez. Just what it means to him is is absolutely unreal. I listened to the um, Neil Cutler podcast that the Birmingham Mail did. And it's, it's so, so interesting to get sort of in the mind of Amy Martinez because it, it, he's had such a sort of unique career, hasn't he? Like mm. today, you've seen all the lower league clubs that have coming out and sharing pictures of Emmy Martinez playing for them, Oxford, Reading, Sheffield Wednesday, Rotherham. It's absolutely unreal. And like I said, it's so unique. Him sort of coming out of nowhere and he's only got, what, 50, 60 Premier League caps? He's 29 and he's he's had an unbelievable 18 months for Argentina, sort of winning the Copa America, the finalissima, which we were at. Um, and obviously today, the World Cup final, just tears streaming down his face. I'm, I'm so, so proud of him. And uh, yeah, my personal favourite thing was the hip thrust that he did on the, uh, the stage <laughs> yeah. at the end. He's a nutter, yeah. and he's an absolute nutter. But I'm, I'm so proud of him. What a guy! I think that's, I think that's typical, isn't it? I think that's, he's a character, <laughs> isn't he? He's a leader, and he's a, and he's a character. And I can't, I, I don't think you can, you can underestimate what you, what you would bring to a dressing room, either that was at Villa or Argentina. But I think what you just said about his career, it's been so sort of unique, hasn't it? I mean, um, I think when he, when he finally broke into Arsenal setup once. Um, Leno got that got that injury against Brighton. I think it was the it was that last chance salute for him. Really, I think if you'd have asked him, if you'd have asked him six, five six years ago, do you think he'd ever be Argentina number one, winning the Cup America or the World Cup? I think he would. You know, I think he'd be honest and say no because it's really rare for a keeper to get into the very late twenties and still not be number one anywhere. Yeah. And so for it to for it all of a sudden to happen, you know, he moved. Obviously, he got his move to Villa. And it was a bit of a brave move to leave Arsenal to come to Villa at that point, really, because he'd sort of just got in playing in the FA Cup final for Arsenal. But he's come to Villa and he's, you know, sort of, he's, 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 our, he's our number one, he's our, one of our most important players. And then he's just gone up and up and up and just shifted through the gears and number one for Argentina and winning trophies. I mean, his, his rise has been absolutely phenomenal. He doesn't, probably doesn't get taught enough outside of Villa, really, but his rise has been absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I think it's underrated, mate. I do. And we were talking about it, weren't we, recently? Sort of, where does he go from here? Because he signed this, uh, it was a six-year contract, I think, or a five-year mm. contract. He's contracted till 2027 at Villa now. Mm. And I think we did, the club, you've got to give the club credit. We've done unbelievably well to get that sorted sort of before this, this World Cup. Because his stock has just gone through the roof. Like, talk about McAllister as well from Brighton. His stock, unbelievable. Mm. This is what the World Cup does for players. It just takes them to that sort of next level. And it's done that for McAllister, for Martinez. But he's not going anywhere, is he? I think a lot of people on Twitter said, oh, you know, it'll, it'll be off now. Juventus are interested and all these uh, clickbait articles are coming out about Juventus preparing to do some swap deal. And I, I, I just can't see it. I think it's nonsense. And because of that massive, massive contract and what Neil Cutler said about him genuinely loving Aston Villa, because we've, seen, we've heard it all before about players. Oh, I love this club, da 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 da, da. But I think he's got that mentality where he's so thankful for Villa because we gave him that chance because... Yeah, he was sort of on the cusp with Arsenal during that COVID break where we won that FA Cup, but we gave him that chance. We, we got him at a snip at 16 million and we gave him that chance in the Premier League. And he's, like you said, he's one of our most important players now. But 
I, I personally just can't see him going anywhere because nobody really spends big, big money on goalkeepers, do they? I think who's the record uh, goalkeeper? Is it Kepa for uh, Chelsea at 70 million? And that was a bonkers deal. Mm-hmm. But I, I just can't see who and, and where he'd go. And I, I just can't see it, mate, personally. No, I, no, I agree, and I think he's, I think he's so, so grateful to be at Villa. I think he came again because of his journey, so unique. He was, um, you know, number two, three, whatever for years and years, and shipped out and loaned to all these different clubs, including Oxford and Wolves and Reading. Um, I think he's, he's found his home, sort of thing, really, and he's, you know, he's come to Villa and he's become number one in a very, very quick sort of space of time. He's ended up as Argentina's number one, winning every trophy you can win for your, for your country, and so. Yeah, I guess any any player obviously they want to win domestic trophies as well. But I don't see him, Martinez. I don't see I don't see him be itching for a move anytime soon. Put it that way. But I think Villa are in a safe position. I think they they've done really well. I mean, uh, you know, I think in the last few years we've sort of not Villa for their recruitment. But I mean, when you look at Martinez, what did we pay seventeen million for him? And mm. If he went, you know, if we did. If we did entertain selling him now, what would he go for? Hundred million plus, something like that, which would be obviously a record for a goalkeeper again. And so, I don't think that will happen because, as you just said, people don't people don't tend to spend that big on goalkeepers, and then the deal just becomes worthless to Villa, then, doesn't it? Really. So it's got to make it would have to make sense for Villa. And so I don't I don't see it happening. And and as as you say, he's got a very long contract. I don't think he finishes till twenty twenty seven. So. It's quite a lengthy contract, so Villa are in a really, really safe position either way, really. They either get absolute mega books for him, or they get to keep Emmy Martinez, who I've got no doubt will probably end up going on to, you know, be our sort of full time captain. And I know he's done it in you know stages before, and he's one of the sort of captains group as uh, Stephen Gerrard created at the start of the season. But I, I, I'm I'm adamant. Surely he he'll end up being Villa's captain. I'm so proud of him. I just love it. He's such a character as well. Like yeah. even in that penalty shootout, he's got the nerve to. I think he got booked. It, they didn't show it at the time, but they showed a replay of him like throwing the ball. I think it was Kingsley Coman that was going to take the penalty. But mm-hmm. he's just an absolute wind-up merchant. I think you tweeted it as well. Like if you don't support Argentina or Aston Villa, you must hate him and hate oh, people yeah. like that because yeah. he's he's such a wind-up merchant, isn't he? Yeah, you would. You'd absolutely if you if, say if he was playing for a, a Man U or a Spurs, or whatever. You'd think, oh, I absolutely hate that bloke. I do. He's always he's always winding up other fans. Always winding up other players constantly. He's you know you, you, we see it in the Premier League games, don't don't we with us? You know, recent times when you know he's gone down holding his leg towards the end of a game. You know, because <laughs> it buys a little bit of time and it slows the game down and it enables us to go and you know claim that three points. He did it at Brighton, didn't they? And all their fans were mm. getting on his back, but he doesn't he doesn't care, does he? And, but you know what? Some every team needs a little bit of that, though. I say, every, yes. and we don't, and we don't really have that in our out, outfield players. I don't think, and I think it, it brings you know brings something a little bit of bite to the team, and I think you you definitely need that. And you know teams can be too nice sometimes. I think that, that's one thing you can aim at Villa a little bit. I think we're sometimes a little bit too nice, but with Emily, he just don't care, does he? He just he gets himself stuck in there, and yeah, he doesn't care at all. But I love the bloke, and as you said, so proud, really. I mean, he's the first ever Aston Villa player to, uh, to to play, not only play in a World Cup final, but also win as well. So, yeah, massively proud of him, and he's just, uh, and, he's, and he's and he's such a good, and he's such a top player as well. I mean, you look late on in that game, that save he made, the one on one, unbelievable. And that, yeah, and that and that took it, and that took it to um, where it ended up. Otherwise, France would have won, and so. He's just, that's the thing, he's not just a character and a leader, which he is, but he's also a top, top goalkeeper as well. And he's gone from being, 
you know, and that, you know, someone who's been sent out on loan constantly to lower league clubs to be one of the, if not the best goalkeeper in the whole of the world. And, and and it's it's just an incredible story, isn't it? And I think we're just so grateful to have him at the club. And massive, also massive credit has to go to um, obviously the manager at the time, Dean Smith and Neil Cutler, yes. for bringing him in because it was, you know, as I remember at the time, we, we had Tom Heaton coming back from an injury um, and we still had Jed Steer in the ranks. And I think some Villa fans were a bit like, why, why are we signing a goalkeeper? And I remember me being like that a little bit. I, I didn't really know a lot about Martinez. And, mm-hmm. you know, you saw him in the FA Cup final for Arsenal. Um, but you, you were querying. Did, did we really need a goalkeeper with Tom Heaton coming back? But it's, I think it kind of shows why, why we're not football managers sometimes. Because obviously they saw something that we do need one. And then they ended up plucking this bloke out who has been an absolute revelation. Villa fans are giving a lot of sticks to Johan Lange and things like that mm-hmm. about the recruitment. But that has got to be one of the best pieces of business in not just in Villa history, but across the Premier League in recent years. It's it's incredible to Arsenal must be absolutely kicking themselves. I think, you know, letting him go for 16, 17 million, which in this day and age is absolutely nothing. Um, what are we thinking then? Back for Liverpool <laughs> on Boxing Day? A lot I of people have so. talked about this. And I think he's got to be, you know, I think he's got to be. I hope, I hope so. I mean, I, I, there, was, there was some talk in the media about it depends what, you know, mind frame is as well. He'll be absolutely buzzing there. And he's a top professional. I'm sure he'll look after himself for the next week or so. Um, I'd expect him to be between the sticks into Liverpool. I'd be surprised if he's not. And I think, also, I think the other bit with it, with, with Olsen's injury that he's carrying as well, that he went off the other night, with Olsen's injury he's carrying, I don't think we can afford him not to be involved, if I'm being honest. And, and I think Emmy would want to be back as well. I don't think he's one of those players that likes to sit out and... Um, yeah, I think if I was gonna if I was gonna have a bet on it, I'd say he'll be, he'll be between the sticks against Liverpool. Yeah, I'd like to think so, and I think he's the, the kind of player to, to want to play and get back to Villa Park. He'll get an unbelievable reception, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, against Liverpool, if he does play, obviously being the first, like you said, the first Villa player mm. to win a World Cup, that that is unbelievable. And mm. he's a legend. He's an absolute legend. And Olsen injury against Villarreal didn't look ideal. So, hmm, I don't really want Philip Marshall in goal against Liverpool. But do you know what, mate? I'm, should we talk about the Liverpool game? Obviously, we'll, we'll talk yeah. about Dubai in a bit. But I'm I'm actually confident, you know, for that game. I'm Boxing down. I mean, famous last words, touch wood and stuff. But I, I'm I'm up for that now. I think it's been a while. Uh, one our last two games before the break against Brighton and Man United, we were playing some brilliant, brilliant football back then. And with this break, we went. We saw the training, open training in Dubai. I'm I'm actually confident for this game. Yeah, I just I just hope it hasn't disrupted us a little bit. That's the only thing I thought. I think like obviously we went off the back of beating Man U and Brighton, and uh, we were feeling good and. It's a bit of a weird one when you watch us in like a pre-season or what's this been, a mid-season, I suppose you'd call it. Um, it's a weird one, isn't it? You, can't really, you, you struggle to take a lot out of these friendlies because you know, you're, not at full, you're not at full pelt and some players don't quite you know, reach the levels they do in a game and the energy's not there on the pitch and sort of thing. And so you struggle to really work out um, what it'll look like when we're back. But you know, you, you'd think we'll be up for it. You know, it's back under the lights at Villa Park on Boxing Day just after Christmas, a full house and... Um, it'll be a good atmosphere, and so I hope we I hope we carry on where we left off. But it's a it's a bit of the unknown, really, isn't it? It's really a bit of the unknown, and so um, it'll be really interesting. But I think how Liverpool have been this season, and and how we were under Emery just before the World Cup break, then there's absolutely no reason why we couldn't take the game to Liverpool at Villa Park, and that's the thing. We we have been strong at Villa Park. I think that is the I think that's the one thing we have to say. We have been fairly strong at Villa Park, and so. Yeah, I'd I'd like to say I'm confident. I think we can get something out of the game. I don't I don't think we'll lose. Um, but it would just be interesting to see. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what we do and how we how we wrap up. And do you know what? It'd be, it'd be interesting to see 
how the whole Premier League goes on on that Boxing Day um, sort of fixture fixture really because like it's it's been a fairly it's been quite a long break really. Um, and so it will be interesting to see what happens. We'll talk about Dubai, shall we? I really enjoyed making that video. Um, it's one of my favourite videos I've got on the channel. I'm so glad we made the trip because when it first got announced, me and you were talking and trying to make these plans and it was very, very expensive. But we found a way and we got there. And what a trip that was, mate. Let's let's just sum it up and then we'll get into it a little bit. Yeah, it was you know, it was unreal. I was I was I keep saying it, but you know what, if any Villa fan ever gets the opportunity to go and follow Villa abroad, whether that's in Europe, hopefully one at one, at one point we will get back there, or whether it's in a pre-season game or a mid-season game like this, you just have to do it. The experience is just um, it's just, it's just so good. And I think, I think for me as well, the rationale behind a lot of it for me as well was that this is probably, you know, how many times is this going to happen in our lifetime sort of thing? We have a, a Winter World Cup where we can go, you know, where we can go to the Middle East and play a you know, a friendly game or a tournament, whatever, because Villa will go to Dubai or the mid or, the, or or other parts of the Middle East in the summer, obviously, because it's far too hot. And so it gave, like, that sort of opportunity that might never come up again. And so for me, it was like, if it was sort of, like, you know, if it was sort of reasonable, if it wasn't, like, too crazy expensive, it was just an absolute must, I think. And I think we didn't really have time to really look at it really in depth. Either. We only had about a week and a half before we booked, you know, between booking and actually going. Um, and so I think that works in our favour a little bit, uh, but you know what? We yeah, we got we got a good deal in the end, and it was just an incredible trip. I absolutely loved it. It goes down as one of my absolute favourite trips. I think without doubt, I don't think work were happy with me sort of swanning in early December when it's quite busy and saying, "Look, I need four days off. I'm going to Dubai." They they already know what I do at work and like all the villa mm. stuff, so they they were happy to sort of oblige. But yeah, I just got out of work straight to Dubai, and we found a way, didn't we? We flew yeah. via uh, Frankfurt. We flew from Birmingham on the Friday. Um, and then we flew via Frankfurt to Dubai. Got there late and stayed in. I tell you what, the hotels over there are unreal. The, yeah. In terms of the costing as well, I before going to Dubai, I sort of didn't know what to expect in terms of many things. Really, mm. pricing. I knew obviously it was going to be fairly expensive, but what was going to be expensive, what was going to be cheap. I think food and drink and all the sort of mainstream stuff is quite expensive. The only sort of cheap thing is probably hotels and taxis, isn't it? I think yeah. we got plenty of taxis and that, that's that's pretty good price. And I think the flights were very expensive, but the hotels themselves mm. weren't actually too bad, which made the trip overall not too bad price-wise, didn't it? Yeah, the hotels were like... I, saw, I, I suppose you'd sort of say what was like a four-star over there would have been like a five-star over here sort of thing. And even if you... So a three-star over there was like still way nicer than that three stars over here because I think I think the last hotel we were in was it was it was kind of like a budget hotel wasn't it really I suppose mm. and yet it was like probably 10 times nicer than the budget hotels we have here and so it was that first hotel for me that the size of that room and the rooftop <laughs> pool and it was just everything it was like you looked at the prop well, we stayed there for the only one night didn't we the first night and uh yeah it was like 78 pounds for two of us which is like crazy it was literally like a lap of luxury sort of hotel um right in the middle of dubai and it was um yeah it was mad really but yeah you're right like the flights were the flights were pricey and then um certain things like alcohol and uh certain like meals and stuff can could can be quite expensive as well but um I, yeah but then other things are cheap there as you said like taxis getting around it was like it was dirt cheap wasn't it i mean we had like a what was it like an hour and a half trip from Dubai to Abu Dhabi on the on the Saturday night after the England game, and yet an hour and a half trip in a taxi cost like fifty quid. I mean, like you know, you you, you pay like forty quid to go about 
20, a 20 minute journey in this country just to the airport so when you think about 50 quid to go an hour and a half journey it was mad but yeah it was an interesting place incredible place really um but yeah it was just the perfect backdrop wasn't it meeting up with all the all the Dubai Lions and the few, I think there was only a few of us that came from the UK, wasn't there? There was only like mm. five, six or seven of us who, who made the trip over from the UK, but it was just that perfect sort of venue for us really, wasn't it? And I think everyone was so welcoming and friendly and the weather was perfect. And it was, you know, you could believe it was mid-December heading towards Christmas and we were there in 27, 28 degrees on the beach and the sea. and It just felt a bit mad, didn't it really? I can't, I can't count how many times we said to each other, I can't believe it's the 10th or I can't believe it's the 11th of December. Yeah. And we're sort of bouncing around in the Persian Gulf. It, it was unbelievable. It was so, so good. And I think you've been to Dubai a couple of times, haven't you? But I, I'd never been before. So I generally didn't know what to expect or anything like that. But in terms of like alcohol and drinking, I was thinking before, are you allowed to drink over there? And sort of similar vibe to Qatar before that all kicked off. Are you allowed to drink over there? What's the deal? But I think they've got it sussed over there, to be fair. We were talking about in the last night over there, weren't we? Like, they've got so many sports bars. There's not, like, designated pubs or anything. There's pubs within pretty much every hotel. Um, so mm. serving your standard beers over there, a decent selection, despite the fact they're a little bit expensive. It, it's, it's wicked, isn't it? Each hotel has basically, basically got a sports bar, plenty of TVs. It's so good. And it's something that uh, the UK could take notes on, to be fair, with, with the sports bar kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's like I said to you, didn't I? I said it's kind of like Americanized, isn't it? Like it was like this, like sports bars are quite like big in America, aren't they? We don't really have many here. We have a few, but we don't really, we don't really do it as the same as America. You know, with that big like center bar and there's all chairs all around the bar and massive screens everywhere, and um, so that's what they do. Over there. It's not like individual pubs like you get in England. I'm like a corner of a like corner of a street as a pub. It's not like that. They're all a part of hotels. I'm assuming that's. I don't know. I'm assuming that's part of culture over there. They can't. They don't have pubs like 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 they do here. But they're all in parts in, in hotels. And um, yeah, it was brilliant. I mean, that first night we got there, we watched the uh, Argentina Holland game. And um, I mean, like it was it was mad, really. Like, even that last hotel we were in, it was a real budget sort of hotel, really. So you compare it to like a I don't know here what a Premier Inn or a Travel Lodge or something like that. Or a, yeah, and yet um, and yet it has its own massive sports bar in it as well. I mean, imagine travel like having a massive sports bar in, <laughs> in, in a hotel here. It just wouldn't happen, would it? Um, so yeah, like it was just it was a crazy experience. But yeah, the hotels were just unreal. Yeah, it was quality. That that first day, uh, we went to the open training session, which was a little bit weird because Villa didn't really promote it very well. I think they sort of didn't expect. Again, it comes to them being a little bit out of touch with, with fans. They didn't really expect fans from the UK to go over there. They sort of set up, oh, it will just be the Dubai Lions, which obviously they're going to be there. But they didn't expect a few nutcases like us to actually travel to the travel to Dubai in the middle of December. But they had an open training session and that was really, really interesting, wasn't it? I think I've watched Villa train once and that was under Steven Gerrard where he didn't actually turn up to training. That was like in May, I think, this year. But yeah. this a session under Emery, I'm sure it wasn't a normal training session because of the heat and things like that. I think it was only a morning session, but it was really, really interesting, wasn't it? To go behind the scenes and actually listen to him. We were that close. We could listen to his instructions and all 25 players, silent, paying attention, listening and putting his plans into action. It was it was actually really interesting watch, wasn't it? Yes, I loved it. I loved every minute of that, that, that day, that training session. And um, I think you're right. I think because the trip was so sort of hastily arranged and it was so... Um, announced so late so I don't think they had time to sort anything out really and so I think it was the it was the day we were going wasn't it and I'd got sight of like a, a form you had to fill out or something mm. to like register your interest to go and it was supposed to be like 
maximum of 20 people to go to this training session. And I think I said, to, so I filled we filled out the form, didn't we? And I said, um, I said to you, I don't think I'll hear anything back because it's quite late in the day sort of thing. It was only the following morning the training session was on. Uh, but I remember saying to you, I said, I'm not, I'm not traveling 4,000 miles and then not, not being able to go. <laughs> it's not happening. Um, so me and you just said, you know what? Let's just go and just see what happens. And uh, fortunately, we got there and we got let through security and it was just sort of open access in the end, wasn't it? And um, But no, like being there, like watching, I, I don't, I've never watched training like that. I've never done it. I've been to a couple of open training sessions at Villa Park in, in like years gone mm. by and stuff, but it's never quite the same, is it? And um, being there in that, it was literally in the middle of nowhere. So if you picture like a, literally picture just like a, a couple of training pictures with a little stand in the middle of the desert, that's literally what it was. Um, literally in the middle of the desert yeah. it was mad wasn't it like a couple of quality it was a quality facility wasn't it i think brighton yeah. were training just behind as well but literally in the middle of nowhere wasn't it yeah and so you can imagine like there was only there's probably only about 30 of us tops there um and yeah you were really close up to it you could hear literally everything all the coaches all the players and and then you started to see some of the really intricate stuff that emery's trying to get us to do which i think we've been working heavily on throughout this mid-season break you can you can start to see come through in games against Chelsea and Villarreal. And I feel like we look, we look a bit more comfortable in terms of playing the ball out. And the reason why we look a little bit more comfortable with doing it is because while during that training session, that was only one morning session, and Emery must have gotten to repeat that drill, what was it, 40, 50 times before before we moved yeah. on. Um, and so you, you sort of see like the little intricate bits that we do. Um, as you say, it wasn't full throttle. It was 28 degrees. It was very warm. And so it wasn't going to be full throttle. But... Um, it was just those little things that we picked up on it. Um, and then I have to, to be fair, I give credit to the club and I give credit to the players as well and the manager because I think after after the training session, obviously we were then sort of led round to sort of meet the players. And that was quite, we, we, we didn't expect that. Um, mm. And we all sort of went round and we all sort of stood there patiently waiting. But, you know, like you, you, you hear sometimes you should never meet your heroes. You should never meet, you know, footballers because they can be a little bit. And you did meet your hero in Luca Dean, didn't you? I did. I did. I, I, <laughs> you know what? I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And it was like meeting all of them. I said, I think I said to you like afterwards, I said, oh, this has genuinely been one of the best days of my life. But like that feels yeah. bad, like a 30 year old man being that like, <laughs> like that, that overawed by footballers. But it was just, you know, you might meet one or two every now and then, but you never meet the whole squad, you know, barring the ones who are away for the World Cup. But it was just, and, but to be fair, I think they gave us all the time of day, though, and, like, they stood there talking to us, and they were all quite willing to have pictures taken, and it was it was just really nice, wasn't it? And I was, I was on a hype for, like, pretty much the whole time I was in Dubai because of that. Um, so, no, it was just a matter. And, it's, you know, it's such a small thing as well. It's such a small thing, but if you can make supporters feel like that, the football club's got it nailed, doesn't it? And I think I just wish football clubs were, did it a little bit more often and engage with supporters that a little bit more often because it's such little things that they can do which can make a, a fan feel so much more like you know in touch with the club and um, you know it is really little small things, isn't it? But but it means an awful lot to those supporters, and that's that that's how it made made me feel anyway. And it's it's lovely, wasn't it? It was really really lovely, and it is quite easy to do. So like you said, it would be nice if they did similar sort of things more yeah. often. But fair play, it was it was really really good. And my, I think I've got to tell this story about about a certain fella we were stood behind. It was <laughs> we know we know of him from from home and going home and away and stuff, but. He, he was wearing a, a Jack Grealish England vest. It was on the day of the England-France game. He was wearing a Jack Grealish England vest, meeting all the players in front of us. And uh, he had a photo with Luca Dean. 
And then Luca Dean was, they were all in their sort of villa gear. They're all quite sweaty in their villa training gear, getting back on the coach. And uh, he, I'm not sure why or how this happened, but he clearly asked him to swap vests. So we turned our back and then we turned back around and this fella is wearing Luca Dean's sweaty villa vest. And Luca Dean's holding his Jack Grealish England vest in his hand. Fair play to Luca Dean for taking it. Um, and he was like, oh, Luca, you got to put it on. And he was like, oh, no, we play you tonight, obviously, because it was France-England game, so we didn't put it on. But I just, I would have loved to know what the players would have thought of Luca yeah. Dean getting back on that bus with a sweaty England Jack Grealish vest from this random bloke out on the street. Unreal. That, that imagine, made me laugh so yeah. much. Imagine him having to try and explain that to like, the rest of the players. Like, <laughs> I've just, and then holding it up, and it's a vest with Grealish number seven on the back. I mean, like, they must have been like baffled by his teammates on the coach. Like, we just... Like cracked up with that properly, like so much. It was, oh, I was so funny, but yeah, it was, it was just, yeah, re- really comical. That was. He was so sound about it, wasn't he, Luca Dean? Yeah, like, yeah. He proper loved it. Like it's so easy for footballers to be sort of miserable and out of touch, but he proper loved it. I think other standouts as well. John McGinney was smiling and happy and chatting to everyone. Where have you come from? Da, 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 da. Yeah. Tyron Mings was loving it as well, saying that he was apologising for the way that he smelled and just have, having a laugh with us, basically. Yeah. He, he kind of humanises them because you see them yeah. week in, week out from a distance, but it does humanise them, doesn't it? And it was just such a lovely experience to sort of start off that trip for us, wasn't it? It does, and I think, you know what, I think if you spoke to players, though, like, deep down, I think they like to do stuff like that, really, and I think sometimes the clubs sometimes, I don't know, maybe they lose sight of it a little bit, the clubs sometimes, and they don't let them do things like like that all that often. You know, I mean, remember the controversy about the about outside the Trinity Road gates where all that big, you know, that tarpaulin was oh, yeah. so no one could stand there. It was a bit like, I'm sure the players don't mind doing it, and obviously the club will have its reasons, but... I just think sometimes, come on, just 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 relax it a little bit because, as I say, it does mean so much to people. Um, and I think you know that was us as well. I remember, like I'm talking from a supporter that goes to every single match, and yet you had some of the guys who us from the Dubai Lions who live four thousand miles away who who don't get to go to the Villa very often if at all in the season, um, and yet they've got these players in front of them, and like it's just you know it's it's such a it's not doesn't take a lot for these players to do it, and I just wish the the club would be more more sort of open open to stuff like that all the time. And I, I know it's I know it's difficult. I know it is difficult, and I know it's some you know in terms of watching training. I think we were having conversations with some people, and we were you know they were saying how hey, some managers don't like open training sessions and um, stuff like that. But I just you know I think sometimes we need to remember it is it's, it's just a game at the end of the day, and. I just think that you've got these people. It's, such, it's so unique, isn't it, football? The Premier League is so unique in terms of it's got this massive following all, all the way around the world. And yet, there are so many of these fans following. And a lot of these, you know, a lot of them are little kids. There was quite a few little kids, you know, in Dubai, wasn't there? And you just think, imagine being one of them, meeting every single one of, one of your heroes. Like, it's just, you can't, you, you can't put money on that, can you? It's like a money can't buy experience. And so, whatever Dubai cost us and cost anybody else, it literally it, that went out the window the moment we got to meet the whole squad. And even the the lad Hassan who was there, who yeah. people might know off like Twitter as the Iraqi Villa fan. He supported Villa for seventeen years. He was on my video and he was absolutely buzzing. He'd never watched Villa before. It's yeah. the first time seeing the players in real life and the first time to see them in real life and then meet them. It must have. I mean, it's incredible for us, like you say, but for people who yeah. have never been to a game or haven't been to a game for years and years and years, it, it really was quality. Um, so that was such a nice way to kick mm. off the trip. And then obviously that night as well. We went to the um, Rose and Crown, which sounds like the most English pub name ever. 
but it was one of these uh, pubs downstairs in, in a nice hotel, actually, in the centre of Dubai. And this is sort of what the Dubai Lions called um, their HQ. Shout out to the Dubai Lions, by the way. They were so, so, so lovely to yeah. us. Obviously, they knew us from, from Villa on tour, and they were so sort of just lovely to us and happy to show us around and tell us what to do and where to go, where to eat and things like this, and really looked after us. So big thanks uh, to them for that. But this was their HQ. It was sort of, I didn't, know, I didn't really know what to expect, but it was like a pub um sort of place they had their flags up and stuff but then the longer you sat there and you looked around there was just villa memorabilia everywhere wasn't it it was yeah. it was absolutely class yeah it was literally everywhere wasn't it? it was like 1982 photos and flags and there was uh framed photos from like previous games where they'd all met up in 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 the rose and crown to watch the matches and uh, we were having a conversation on the sunday weren't we with uh with with, with chris from the dubai lions and he was explaining how it how it all started and how they you know it was a there was a little bit of a sports club there years ago, and then they sort of uh, searched through Facebook uh, for other Villa fans who lived in Dubai, and they got this group together. And it's quite a strong group now, isn't it? Really, it's quite a lot of people mm. who are in this Dubai Lions group. And I think I said to you, the nice if you were an expat moving to Dubai or just moved to Dubai and you're a Villa fan, it's like such a good way to network as well, and to make friends, and to you know, and to to spend spend that time there. I I, I thought it was great. I really did. I mean. Um, you know, it was uh, what we discussed earlier. It was a bit pricey for a pint, but um, I think, I think you know, you sort of you sort of get used to it. But where, it, yeah, where it was was brilliant. Obviously, we watched the England game. It was unfortunate about the result, but it was uh, it was really good to be there and see. You know, we'd heard a lot about the uh, the Dubai Lions uh, HQ at the Rose and Crown, so it was it would have been a shame to have gone to Dubai and not seen it. And so I was really glad that we did see it. Um, and we had a good night in there, despite England losing. We had a. Uh, we had a really good night in there. Yeah, we did. You had a wicked night. And just like for that, I think Chris said that there was about 100 people in the Dubai lines, but about 20 of them who regularly meet up and go to the Rose and Crown and watch Villa games. And they had pictures in there of when they all got together to watch uh, Villa beat Blues in 2018. And there's loads and loads and loads of them. And it must be such, obviously, it's, it's, it's daunting for anyone to leave the UK and go and live that far away. But to have that sort of community for them to all get together and have that sort of common thing in Aston Villa and then all being Brummies who support Villa and have gone over there. It must be so wicked for them just to sort of make friends. That is a great way to make friends and it's just testament to how massive Aston Villa are. But yeah, the, the next day, we'll get on to match day because that is hands down. If you watch the video, me and you were absolutely battered. It, <laughs> there's no way of getting around it. Me and you were yeah. battered. We went to this, uh, well, this is obviously in Abu Dhabi now, which is about an hour and a half uh, away from Dubai, but they put on um, a fantastic lunch or you can eat buffet there were so many options and it was it was free drinks for a, a large period of the afternoon which we well and truly took advantage of because like we've said before the prices of beer over there is very expensive but we had a we had a meal over there and then we cracked on didn't we and that that day that afternoon and the I can't remember what it was called, but it was just such a such a fantastic afternoon to to get in there and have loads of free drinks. There was a live band on. It was majority Villa, but there was a few Chelsea fans in there, which we'll touch on. But it was that was my favourite part of the trip. We've talked about how good the meeting the players was, but that afternoon quality. Yeah, yeah it was. I think it was the. Uh, I feel like it was the Millennium, Millennium Hotel. Or that rings Millennium, about Grand yeah. Millennium or something. Um, yeah, so. Uh, some of the Dubai Lions were talking about how this is quite a common occurrence over there in the UAE. How they do some this brunch thing where you pay you pay a certain fixed price for what was it between 12 and 4 i think it was 4 hours or yeah. something and um yeah 
buffet, literally hot and cold buffet. We ended up having a Sunday roast, which felt really weird. It was like <laughs> we were eating roast beef and mashed potato in 28 degrees sun. It was really, really strange, wasn't it? But uh, so yeah, it was um, yeah for all 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 sorts of foods you could ask for, and then it was literally an open bar, pretty much, wasn't it? From between 12 and four, and um, as you say, with the price of the beer and stuff, it did certainly took in and live music on. There was a few. There's a bit of banter flying around because there's a few Chelsea fans that are in there, and uh, which was really funny. Um, but yeah, it was such a great atmosphere in there, and I think there's some videos going around on the internet about you know singing "Sweet Caroline" and stuff. And uh, but no, it was uh, I absolutely loved it. I, to, to be honest with you, I, I'd ended up forgetting there was actually a match on. To be honest with you, it was like, I just felt like just staying in there the whole evening. It was that it was that good, but it was yeah, it really sort of. Set us up for the match, didn't it? Really, um, but no, it was it was an incredible, incredible day. Yeah, it really was, and it was just great to meet so many Villa fans as well. Like just people who you can speak to have come from South Africa just for this game, or have come from elsewhere in the sort of Middle East just for this game. And people are so people are lovely, aren't they? People are mm. so so nice, and it's so good to have that. You just sit down with a stranger and just talk about the Villa. Oh, what yeah. do you do? To, and talk about your story, and it's so so nice, and it's just good that Villa sort of unite people on that front and once the drink started flowing it was it was such a great afternoon and then we sort of stumbled to the stadium didn't we <laughs> it was so good we were at, you had your book your hat on got the flags out and it was just so unique you just wouldn't get anything like that in the UK and this is that's the sort of thing that you don't see oh people at home and just think okay it's a friendly at two o'clock against Chelsea in the UAE fine but going over there and this is why I, I emphasize what you said at the start if you ever get the chance to go and follow Villa abroad. It's it's absolutely fantastic because you meet so many people and it's genuinely what I look forward to most, you know, in, in a Villa calendar, basically. That that European trip before the season starts or like this trip that comes out of nowhere, it's it's genuinely incredible. Um, and the game, as, as, as most away days, the game is the least of your yeah. priorities, especially when it's like a, a pre-season friendly that nobody cares about realistically. It is, it is the least of your priorities. It's just about the banter. It's about the fun. It's about meeting people. It's about having a good time and having a drink, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and I, and I think you're right. I think you, you touched on, you know, like just meeting new people and it's that, you know, it can really sort of change, like really sort of impact on your life back at home really then because it's like you end up meeting you know, brand new people and, you know, you can forge your, like, you know, friendships and relationships with these people. I mean, like, you know, just for a given example, like, I met you in Leipzig like, on pre-season literally a few years ago and it was like, you know, I didn't know you, literally met you at a bar or whenever, wherever it was, I can't remember and, uh, and then, you know, years on, there we are, you know, going to Dubai together and doing whatever together and it's like, I just think a football can bring people together and as you say, you're there in a random bar in Dubai and you're sitting there talking to people you've never met before but you've got this one common interest in this villa and it sort of brings you together sort of thing um i mean the volume of people that even just going on the away days in, in this country it's like the volume of people that you get to know and you know all these acquaintances and friends that you've got just through your football club it's just unreal isn't it really and um and yeah and as you say we then obviously went onto the stadium a little bit worse for wear onto the stadium and uh don't remember a lot about that walk if i'm being honest uh, but um <laughs> We eventually found our way into the ground. Uh, yeah, and then it was a bit of a it was a bit of a slow burn, wasn't it? I think we were okay, we were quite we were quite decent in the first half, weren't we? Played some nice stuff and scored that nice goal, and then the second half sort of petered out as you'd expect it to um, in in the pre-season or mid-season friendly. Um, but it was a good workout, to be fair. I thought we looked very. I think that's the one takeaway from me, though. We looked very organised, though. 
Um, and I feel like Emery's really sort of worked on that, sort of passing out from the back. And um, I thought we looked very, very organised. I, I know Chelsea had a youthful side uh, playing, but they didn't really trouble Olsen too much, did they? Yeah, it was a young side and they had a few players at the World Cup. And we had a strong side out, to be fair, but it was comfortable. It was really, really comfortable. And the goal was actually really nice, by the way. That's where you want to see him again, isn't it? That's yeah, really yeah. where you want to see him again, on the edge of the box, stroking at home, nice and calm. It was it was a really, really nice goal. But yeah, it kind of petered out. But like I said, he's literally the least of your priorities in the game in terms of yeah. the holiday. And away days are just a dip. Like people... We are so lucky that we get to go to every single game and we, we put in the miles and, and things like that. But people who don't go to these games and don't go to home or away games, they don't. It's hard to explain, isn't it? It's, it's really yes. hard to explain that you, you meet your, your best mates at, at Villa games and you don't see each other, you don't speak to each other all week. But as soon as you see each other on a Saturday afternoon in the arse end of nowhere across the UK or abroad, you just rekindle it, don't you, from the week before and you have a pint in your hand and you just get chatting and it's absolutely brilliant like I'm mates with with people on away days at Villa that in normal life you'd never ever expect to be mates with and sort of it's it's just it's really hard to explain but it is it is lovely I absolutely love it and I wouldn't change it for the world and I don't think I've got any mates outside of Villa because it's just that's the core of what I do and it's on best mates and seeing them on a weekend and meeting them at six o'clock in the morning to get a coach in the freezing cold. I love it. I absolutely love it. I do. And I wouldn't change it for the world. And that, yeah, that's the same for me. I like what you just said. Like my, my whole friendship circle really changed after that Leipzig uh, friendly, if I'm being honest with you. It was like, it was mad. It was like all of a sudden you got this whole new core group of friends and they're all come through the villa and you know you meet people one by one and more subgroups forming you know, that, that one big group you met and it was like yeah like like i say it can be sort of like life-changing it can be because it's like you know you you pick up a whole group of friends and i think i always said like um years ago like i always used to i used to want to have that sort of um you know sort of core group of like friends who go to the villa and i could go you know, you could go with and i never really had that because i i went to like school over in like black country way and we were all west brom fans and balls fans and then your typical man you and liverpool fans there weren't many villa well, there was hardly any villa fans but there's only like two or three of us um so i never had that really and so i you know i always get to the home games with my family with my brothers but um and, and my uncle but i've never had that sort of you know, friends to go out to the villa with. So I used to go away like on, on my own years ago, and there was the odd games I used to go with my brothers and my uncle when they uh, came. But they were ne- they've never been sort of every game of the season sort of thing. Um, and so yeah, so then meeting obviously you guys in Leipzig, it just that totally changed everything for me. And I just think like imagine how many people in the Villa fan base that's probably happened to. And then obviously more people form off it. Then you keep going to more away games, and um, you know you end up. You know, having having friends outside. I'm just even thinking of, you know, Craig for instance. We ended up going to Poland with him a few weeks ago, and it was like, do you know what I mean? It's like I didn't even know Craig three years ago, and yet there we are in Krakow together a few weeks ago. So it's like, it is mad. I think football football brings people together, um, and and I don't know. I, I doubt Villa's unique to it. It feels unique to us because it's all we know, isn't it, Villa? But um, I do think that sort of core Villa fan base is brilliant. And, and and you're right, we're really in a fortunate position that we can do it. We're really fortunate that, you know, our sort of loss is paid off in the end and we, we can go to sort of every game. And um, as you say, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't change for the world. I absolutely love it. And 
Um, I'm absolutely buzzing for the New Year's Day game against Spurs, to be honest with you. I know we got Liverpool before that, but it's the next away day for me that I'm constantly thinking about it. Yeah, I, I just can't wait. Back on the away days, don't I? Back on the yeah. away days, already booked the coach. I think that's that'll be an interesting one. I, I'm not one for going out on New Year's Eve, but that coach for us is 7am on New Year's Day. So I think yeah. there'll be a few people on that bus who are a little bit worse aware, but now I'm buzzing for that. Back on the away days, I feel like it feels like it's been absolutely ages. And yeah. Spurs is one of my favourite grounds to go to as well, mm-hmm. despite the fact we never normally do very well there. So should, should we just end the podcast? It's been a, I've really enjoyed it, actually. It's taken a slightly different turn, but I've actually really enjoyed it. And um, we'll just touch on sort of the fixtures coming up and then we'll sort of close it off. So Liverpool, Tottenham, and then we've got Wolves at home midweek. That's Stevenage game, which is weirdly on a Sunday at half four, which is weird. And then Leeds and Southampton. I think those three games there, Wolves, Leeds and Southampton, I, I fancy us there. But even, we've already talked about it, that Liverpool game, I fancy us. And then Spurs, who have had an up and down season. I think we could be in for a good sort of January. And I know Villa typically are pretty crap in the new year, but I'm actually buzzing now. Buzzing, World Cup is done. Back to the Villa. Yeah, I think I think those period of fixtures, what we just said, I think that gives us a real sort of opportunity now. You know, Liverpool and Spurs on paper are tough games, of course they are, uh, but I, I have confidence we can get something out of at least one of those games and then it leads you up into those sort of easier on paper run-of-the-mill games and um, even that Wolves game on a Wednesday night under the lights at Villa Park, that'll be some... They got their new gaffer. They got new, their new yeah, gaffer yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't ask me to pronounce his name, but yeah, yeah they have. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he'll be in charge. So again, and that'll add something different to it because obviously, you know, he'll probably he'll probably be hoping for a new manager bounce as well. And so well, you expect Wolves to improve a little bit. Um, mm. So it will add a different dimension too. But I'm so glad it's back. I love domestic football. I it still be. I, I, I you know I enjoyed watching the World Cup. I enjoyed especially enjoyed watching today. But nothing for me beats domestic football and I'm quite excited it sounds really really weird this stuff. I'm quite excited about that Stevens game because for me I, I, yeah I know it sounds mad but <laughs> I really want a cup run I really want a cup run I'm really it's long overdue I'm desperate for Villa to get far in a cup and try and actually lift a trophy I just I'd love to see it um, and so I'm, I was quite buzzed we had Stevens rather than the usual Man U or Man City or something like that in the first in the fact the first title and also we got home title ones which we never usually get and so yeah I'm positive about the new year for Villa I think um, I, I think Emery will want to try and get a couple of people in in January I'd have thought um, in a couple of key areas but I think we're looking upwards I really do I think we've turned the corner I think the the you know the the, the, the dreadful football and results under Gerard it feels like quite a long time ago now sort of thing and it feels like we've got that little bit of energy around the club again and I think the thing you know, the thing about the the new North Stand plans, which should be approved like this coming week, and I just feel like the club. It feels like again, it's it's back on the up. We had that little bit of a, you know, we had that little bit of a blip under Gerard, and obviously wasn't the right man for us in the end. But it was sorted in the end, and we've now hired a a real world class elite manager. And I think just as we as we touched on about the training, it just feels like we've got a, a base now again to sort of build, and um, I think. Yeah, I think we could be in for a, a decent second half of the season. And for me, it would be, you know, if we could finish top 10 and have a decent FA Cup run, then that would have to, you know, it'd signal a, a successful season for us, wouldn't it? That's made me laugh at us. We've possibly watched the greatest World Cup final in football in history. <laughs> Just watched the greatest player in history win the FA, uh, win the uh, World Cup. Watched the first ever Aston Villa 
player to win the World Cup and we're buzzing to get back to it and get buzzing to that that Stevenage game and get that FA Cup back in the trophy cabinet for the first time since 1957. But I think that's a really nice way to end the podcast, to be honest, on a nice, lovely, positive note about the Villa. So if you have enjoyed it, please do leave a review, share it around, uh, retweet all the stuff and the promo I'll put on uh, Twitter and Instagram and stuff and just get involved. Um, and please do tune in next time because it has been a probably slightly different podcast to what we're going to do going forward because there isn't actually a designated game to talk about we've just sort of settled in little pilot episodes and then we'll probably i don't know what the schedule is going to be in terms of whether we'll do one after every single game or whenever we're free or whatever but i'm sure they'll be pretty regular because me and you side we love nothing more than sitting down and chatting about the villa so thank you very much for listening really really enjoyed this and simon have you enjoyed it you're going to come back for a, another episode or two yeah absolutely like i could just i could sit here for hours and talk about the villa it's my favorite subject i'd, <laughs> I'd say if i was going to mastermind tomorrow it'd be my special <laughs> subject and so yeah you could have me on for as many hours as you want to because i can keep talking and boring everybody to death about the villa so no it's been good love it love it love it right thank you very much for listening everybody subscribe to the villa on tour youtube channel i'll be back at villa park on boxing day of course for that Spurs away game as well which I'm buzzing for so thank you very much for listening and up the villa